Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. I'm Logan Medish of High Caliber History, your host. And once again, we are sitting around the table. We are in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We've got Alan from Gunbroker, Dan from Go Wild, Cody from Walther. Uh, and if you remember from last week's episode, we were talking the history of the company and we kind of worked our way up through the P99. Um, and kind of the sun is setting on the P99. Um, but don't worry, the sun will rise again, <laughs> right? With, with all of the other great offerings. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode is, is all of the newer products that you guys have uh, in the line. And, and I think an, an easy way to go into that because there's a lot of legacy in history that we can build on is let's talk a little bit about the PDP first. Sure. Yeah, the PDP is, I don't know, it's by far my favorite gun and my project that, you know, I got to start from beginning to end in that product lifestyle and have a lot of input and, and fun with it, you know, in the meantime. Um, we go back to the P99 and what that built out, you know, and then the evolution of that went into the PBQ. And, uh, you know, I got into Walther and shot competitively for the pro team and stuff, ran a PBQ. Uh, for years, hundreds of thousands of rounds. And, uh, you know, I always heard like all these, you always had complaints, right? People like want to change this, that, this. And, you know, we got to the point where like, you know, we needed to phase out PBQ and, and, and really come out with something, something new on that platform there. And that's when the PDP conversations came out. So mm -hmm. we had some really great shooters here. Um, you know, we had our shooting team, uh, we had some good law enforcement input and things like that. Um, we got some new hires that came in that, that brought in some new knowledge and things. And we really went to work on the PDP and, and with the mindset that this was going to be a duty pistol, performance duty pistol. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so we went in there and created, you know, what we want to do is fix like everybody's complaint with the PPQ right you know the the grip texture for one you know which was a really fun conversation there of just trying to figure out what what was going to be best for you know for one for tactical use but what looked good at the end of the day too you know and, sure. and it, there's a lot of back and forth on that but um you know we wanted to make the trigger better to an already best trigger on the market gun um and then have the nice uh, machining and build this gun around the new optic systems right because uh, the pbq when it was designed and its slide design was never meant really to have red dot optics on it you know mm -hmm. we, we did it but it was always an afterthought and adapter plates and mm -hmm. things and the pdp was really designed from the ground up to fit this new optic ready crowd and, uh, you know, we had identified a lot of people in our space that were high tier instructors. And I know Alan's trained with a lot of them as, as I have with the Bill Blowers and Scott Jedlinski's and, you know, and a lot of those pro shooters out there. And they came in and helped us in, from the development process on and making this gun and making the best that we could. So, mm -hmm. and we took a different approach when we launched it as well as like, we didn't just launch one. Usually you see like a full size four inch come out or a compact four. We launched the entire family at once. 
you know, so you had five different sizes between compact and full size that was ready to meet, you know, anybody's needs and then mm-hmm. different barrel lengths and stuff like that. So it was one of our most successful launches in company history. We wow. did great with that product. Um, what was so interesting, you know, we, we've, we've joked many times in the past that the firearms industry does never learn ever from anything else where <laughs> ever the, the PDP is the exception <laughs> to that though. Cause again, you can see the elements, of the P99 in there, you can see mm-hmm. the elements, of the PPQ in there and it's it, the PDP just feels like a refinement of those platforms. So yeah, it right. feel it's not a, here's a new product, wipe the slate of everything else. Like a lot of companies do. It's right. here's our next evolution. And that's called the PDP. Um, but I mean, to, you know, to your point, the tactical and competition worlds are so intermerged anymore because yeah. they, they've learned that what the, what we're trying to do is shoot fast and accurately and safely. Well, that kind of is the motto of the SWAT team as well as the yep. USPSA team. So right. yep. a lot of that overlaps. So kind of bringing all that into one package, I thought was really a smart move. Yeah, we've always looked at, you know, I mean, coming from a competitive shooter background and, and the USPSA and IDPA, it was like they competitive shooters always seem to drive like the innovations. If you look kind of in handguns, you know, it's like red dot optics were on competitive open guns a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Comps. <laughs> on those guns, you know, extended magazines, mag wells, gas pedals, mm-hmm. all that stuff was 80s, you know, like it's yeah. been around a long time, but if you can get that performance in your daily carry, why would you not want it? You know, it was funny. It was probably six or seven years ago, you know, I, at shot, you try and take some things in, but I think what people don't look at a lot are the, the, the law enforcement guys that are there, because there's a lot of Las Vegas Metro cops that are yeah. there, both working and also off duty, and the amount of big old red base pads, Terran Tactical Springers, mm. it didn't matter. These guys were all carrying on for their duty mags. Just kind of one year just struck me. It was about six years ago. And since then, it seems like every one of them is carrying a plus two, a plus four, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's always the the why would you not. But when you have shooters that, that like to go out and shoot, and like the PEP, it was successful because we were able to, you know, really build up an inventory, put the time into the, the development process and testing process. The guys like, you know, Scott and Bill and Nick Young and Jim Dexter and all, all those guys had 10, 20,000 rounds to the gun before we ever launched it. Mm-hmm. We, we all sat back and shot. I had close to the same thing through mine. We had good instructor events and got to see a lot of changes that happened to the gun kind of in the final processes because we went through the right testing from that perspective on it. And so it was really cool to see, but it's really been, you know how it is. You can't just come out of the product and let it go. You know, you got to sure. have the right partnerships from aftermarket standpoint. And, you know, we, we were able to kind of go out there and secure a lot of good friends in the industry, you know, on the aftermarket support. But, you know, the, the big one that kind of completed the line was the F-Series introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that this is a funny stuff is like you always, as a marketer and a sales guy, you, you bounce ideas off key partners and stuff like that. And, you know, just to get an idea of like, if you're making the right moves and we start bouncing around like a duty gun for female officers and everyone's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Like don't market just to, you know, like you're going to sell more. I'm like, I know, I know, but no one has done it. And we kept going. It was uh, frustrated. We were shooters. We're going out, we're training law enforcement and we would go and see female officers get handed this freaking giant metal gun and 40 caliber that you know with a double action trigger that they couldn't reach and mm-hmm. then the officers getting mad because they weren't passing their qualifications and stuff i'm like look at the gun man like right. you know like and so we went into it we we got a lot of help from you know uh industry professionals and, and people out there training that were all female associated and really kind of designed 
it was, you know, supposed to be just an extension of the PDP and it ended up being a whole friggin' new gun, you know, and by the time we got into it, because of the, the needs that they wanted in a gun, we wanted to make sure we met, but we wanted cross compatibility magazines, holsters, stuff like that. So sure. we could be a part of the family as mm-hmm. well. And so we, we changed the entire grip design, um, around the, the biomechanics of a, of a female's hand on that side of it and, uh, reduce the trigger reach that they, they were complaining about not being able to reach the trigger. Um, the, the grip design as you, as you squeeze, it allows you to kind of fill in the, the back strap a lot easier. Uh, they don't have as much meat in between their, their thumb and their forefinger there. That's what we'd figured out a lot from our competitive <laughs> shooting history with you ever see those grips. They're literally like dremeled to hell. <laughs> yeah. They're like literally your hand, like, on you know, so we have a lot of technology from that, but the, the slide force as well to be able to rack the slide. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff that went into that. So it ended up being this whole new gun. And uh, it's a funny story. We, we tried to make sure, I was like, it cannot be just this, you know, marketing dude or this product development dude sitting in an office, like coming up with this girl's gun. Like it has to come from them. Right. You know, and so we would present ideas and back and forth and back and forth. And I remember sitting down with uh, Tatiana Whitlock and being like, all right, this is going to be the, the PDP empowered line. And she was like, for love of God, don't name it that. <laughs> and she's like, we don't need to be empowered. We, we already have it, you know? And I was like, well, all right. You know, so you, you tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the F series was kind of spawned out of her to, you know, no to that, but that was the kind of work we put into it. You know, the engineers, like I said, it was a completely new gun. And it was, it was really cool to kind of see this come to fruition now. Like you're seeing, the goal was, is like, I was like, of course, guys are buying the majority of guns right now that you see numbers wise. Um, but, you know, I carry a four inch PDP every day. Now my wife carries a three and a half inch F series that she loves, but mm-hmm. uses the same magazines, takes same optic plates and sights, holsters are interchangeable. Like, right. Just like the family, you don't want multiple magazines laying around your house, right? Sure. They're, they're all interchangeable, so but they're made for each individual person to shoot. It was re- it was really, it was hard to wrap my head around because I had a, a four and a half inch PDP Pro sitting next to a three and a half inch F series, mm-hmm. and my brain said they're PDPs. Yeah. They're very similar. I looked at the two and I'm like, there's no way in hell anything on these guns interchange. The the size and design shape difference are so crazy different. You picked them up, and even though you knew the one was smaller, they still felt really good. And part of that is the Pro feels way smaller than it is. The F feels really good. And then the minute you shot it, it's like it's a PDP. Yeah. yeah. There, there's nothing weird about this. It's a PDP. Well, well and I think the, another thing that you have to take into consideration, we have to think about it, is, you know, we're talking about, you know, the PDPs being too big for people with smaller hands. So the F fits, you yep. know, that, that, that spot in the market. But... The flip side to that is that, you know, we've got Dan over here. Dan's a big guy. Dan's bigger than all of us. Dan's got big hands. But that PDPF, like, that doesn't feel tiny yeah. in the hands of someone mm-hmm. with big hands. So, like, you, you don't have to look at it and be like, oh, well, I, I've got these big ham hocks. I couldn't shoot the PDPF. Like, yeah. it doesn't, that it, gun's not designed to work that way. It, it is, it, for lack of a better term, backwards compatible, yeah. like, in that regard, right? Well, what we wanted to do, too, is, like, yeah, I didn't want to write Lady Walther yeah. right. on the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Or and this was the key term from all of them, shrink it and pink it. Oh, the, cla- no. the classic yeah. outdoor marketing plan. Yep. Yes, and you see every company, they're still doing it to this day, Yep. right? And, and there's no middle ground <laughs> just, in that space. No. You, are, you either have consumers that love that and buy everything, or consumers like my wife that will punch you in the throat yep. if you try to sell yeah, mine too, you know. And I was like, I, I don't want just – the gun we made this for were for people that like to shoot. Just like, you, you know, right. they, they're going out, they're training, they're shooting that – you know, it, it's kind of part of it there. 
And uh, but yeah, you're you're seeing that kind of come to fruition now. We're getting law enforcement contracts now, large ones, um, that you know they're going in and buying standard PDPs for their male officers, and they're buying F series for their female officers. Mm-hmm. And it's the whole concept, right? Yep. And uh, you know, so it's cool to see that kind of starting to catch on. And I hope you know it, it kind of. When we saw this. We we're like, man, it's going to be so easy for any of our competitors to knock off. You know, mm-hmm. um, they don't have to go through the whole work of it, you know, with, you know, they could take shortcuts or something, but the whole ergonomic side of everything, they, they could easily knock off, you know, but we definitely wanted to kind of try to push our market into that because everybody told us no. And the PDPF series three and a half inch was our, you know, one of our top three selling SKUs this last year. So, <laughs> oh, you know wow. what, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's one of those, you know, it, sometimes, yeah. you know, your gut's right. <laughs> sure. It really is, you know, and I always hear people, they're like, ah, oh, you market it till you I'm like, yeah, that's fine. No, no one else does it. So, <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know, not, and I still, I, I love the three and a half inch F series. Like I said, mm-hmm. I think the ergonomics are phenomenal on it. And, uh, I said I didn't engrave flowers all over it and make it pink, you know? So, <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Typically, my wife and I have a different enough taste that her guns are pretty pretty much hers and mine are pretty much mine, but I, I, I can see that F-Series getting borrowed a few times. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful little carry gun. Yeah. Yeah. And the same holsters. Yeah. Yep. It, yeah. Yep. So. Well, and so let's, you know, we're talking about all these new designs and these new guns, and, of course, you have to talk manufacturing yeah. capabilities and capacities, and, and, of course, you know, Walther still has factories you know, in Germany, and they're producing firearms over in Germany. And and for the longest time, we thought of Walther as an import gun yeah. here in the states. Um, but you know, we we all spent time on on your floor here. Uh, there there is a lot of manufacturing going on right here well, in Fort Smith. When we were on the line, there wasn't a lot of manufacturing. well, yeah, no, there, we were on the we line. Over, there was a lot of quality <laughs> control. <laughs> yeah, I don't we, think we're going to meet our day today. <laughs> yeah, no, we were on the line. Like, how many guns you make today? Three. We yeah. made three guns this whole day. You know, so. Oh. So when when we're not screwing things up on on your line, uh, you guys have an awesome manufacturing facility here. And so talk to us a little bit about how that has changed and grown and what that has meant for Walther to not just be an import company, but to be an American manufactured company. Yeah, and it was always funny. People would come here when I, when I first started working here a long time ago, and it was they'd be like, I want a tour of Walther, you know, I'm going to come tour the plane. I'm like, yeah. And I'd walk them through all the shills, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know the, and the cubicles and the offices. But uh, no, it's, it's cool to see this now. Like we know, right. Just the majority of firearm sales in the world globally are here in the U S mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think the, the ownership, the Flaumers and, you know, I think our global CEO Bernhard and our, our current CEO here, like they, they realize you have to manufacture guns here. If you're going to be successful, new product development is driving our industry right now. Mm-hmm. And the time frames where it takes to, to get these things imported in and all the restrictions and all that stuff really limit you, you know, and it's just name of the game at this point. We're a Ger- like we're a German heritage company. We understand that, man, you know, and uh, so we still want stuff to be made there. But you'll, you're starting to see that transition of the, the majority of production being moved here to the U.S. and start off the you know the walther gun the the ppk ppks you know it was the first gun we started manufacturing here mm-hmm. and uh the next step in that process was uh f-series and so okay. you're seeing that one being being produced here too and it's just growing more and more past that is like i said we we understand the importance of that bit of it and and two it just helps drive us to to having the right products and we luckily with us you you hear this from a lot of international owned companies and stuff is there's always this like divisive 
like separation between the U.S. crowd right. and the, you know, and their, you know, their uh, overlords and the, and the other in the other uh, country there. But you know, this this place and why I really love working here is because there's there's not a whole lot of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's very mixed. The the people over there are there's some shooters over there as well, and a lot of heritage there, and they they understand the U.S. They're like, yep, that's. That's what needs to happen, you know. <laughs> I, I, I've heard some tales from from other friends who've worked here when they've had to go to Germany for corporate meetings that there's almost always a hunt involved somehow. And uh-huh. I'm like, that that's my kind of board mm. meeting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, Oktoberfest is always fun. It's not like I have a hard time to go over there. You know? <laughs> Twist my arm, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, uh, it's, it's, fun. it's a smart move, too. I mean, if we, as we've seen recently with the 90-day 90 day ban thrown on exports. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. there's nothing stopping them from doing it on imports. We've seen, you know, Europe shut down some European export licenses as well in the last few years. So yeah. it's a, an easily turned control valve by yeah. regulators. So you yeah. know, having, having that in your control by having U.S. manufacturing just makes sense. Yeah. And you look at why the PPKS even came into about, right? Right. Exactly. Is because they, they made the law, the, the small guns and the PPK didn't fit the size dimensions, you know, and so that's why that came about. And that's why, you know, micro compacts and things like that are hard for us to do right now because we got to make them here. Right. And, uh, you know, we're just, we're in that gear up phase, you know, we're trying to, trying to get this stuff done as fast as we can. Like I said, I, that's the fastest I've seen people like, like a company grow mm-hmm. like this in a manufacturing mm-hmm. capability standpoint. So, um, we're, we are working hard. <laughs> I can promise you that. And as far as that fastest, uh, the fast as you can get them out the door, you're still pretty slow. You were talking about the quality checks mm-hmm. on, and on stuff coming from Germany. It's not only quality checked in Germany, but then just when it gets over here, you do another round yeah. of quality checks. And we were commenting on, I think Logan and I were talking about how we were watching a guy hand apply the paint mm-hmm. on the safety and the uh, sights, yeah, and the rear sights, and we're like, that seems like something that could be automated and be a lot quicker, but then we realized, well, if you're going to, you know, if that's a super high-quality thing, any little drop of paint, any little yeah. offset, so even though it does seem like you guys are expanding this this building as quick as possible, it still is very impressive at how much time and quality control yeah. is going through all of it and especially your assembly workers that we were working with mm-hmm. and you can tell and Braden was talking about I think he was talking about that same guy with the with the red dot and we thought that was all he did all day and then he we just while we were there he was bouncing around between three or four different stations and we talked to him a little bit and you realize he knows every step mm-hmm. of that manufacturing thing so I think that's the other aspect of it is how can you have an American made product but it's not just all automated. It's not just mm-hmm. all robots. Yeah. And it seems like you got a really good, smart, capable crew of people and really high quality standards. Yeah, so that's something like I think you talk about like old like American manufactured things, and I think a lot of this like automation and stuff has made a lot of people lose their attention to detail yep. in the finer things. For sure, it, you know, it's like how quick can we get it out? How cheap can we get it? You know, and I'm yep. like, and Walther is premium. Walther is a the personal statement and a status symbol, you know, mm-hmm. at times, you know, but it's not overpriced where you can't afford it, you know, right. and I always joke about this is like the high end guns on the mark high end with quotations here, you know, they're high end and market themselves as premium because they have to, because they're $4,000, right? nowhere else for them to go, you know, but Walter's sure. premium and we have a $400 pistol. Well, the thing you that know, probably yeah. impressed me most on the floor today was, finding out that you're doing your finishing in-house, your, your finishes. Because finishes yeah. are not easy. They're not inexpensive. 
they're kind of a, a, a pain to deal with just from a regulatory standpoint. But the fact that you want to do it in-house so you can control the quality, you can control yeah. the outcome, um, I mean, that speaks volumes about Walther's focus on, on quality and wanting to make sure that you make, you keep that premium status. Yep, and, and that is, is that the barrel manufacturing, like the attention to detail there. And like I said, I think y'all walked to our QC and yep. like a scratch on a plastic case, and that was what, you know, like we, we make sure like when you get a Walther, like we, we want it to be a the absolute best you know, we understand things happen you know and that's why we we have the the warranty in place and the money back guarantee and all the stuff to make sure that you have a great buying experience and it's i always laugh when you buy a gun it's not like buying anything else in the world right now mm-hmm. because you expect it to last forever <laughs> and you expect that company to take care of you mm-hmm. forever right right not like buying a tv or a truck or anything like that you know or you know, your recoil spring goes out after you shoot 10,000 rounds and you want the company to replace your recoil spring, right? Right. You know, it's not like tires on a truck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. it's a, you know, but we we understand that. We want that long-term growth. We're, we've been here nearly 140 years, right? We we want to be here another 140 years right. and more, you know. So, and those are the things you do to, to gain that respect. So hey, You're trying to build a, a lifetime product in a throwaway world. Yep. Yes. You know, and that's, that is not an easy thing to be able to do, you know, but, but you guys have done it and you've done it very well. Cause we were talking, you know, in the, in the warranty room, you know, like we can afford to do that because we just don't get the guns coming back. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and that's amazing. I mean, that, that speaks volumes to what you guys are doing on the front end to avoid the issues on the back end. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's the things like I said, attention to detail from the beginning you know and i yeah. think we as americans honestly have lost a lot of that you know um i've always been a buy once cry once guy yep. right like mm-hmm, i'll for just sure. wait and save up save my money and do what i want right you know and uh like a lot of times we kind of get a little impulsive <laughs> sure and i am talking entirely too many guns right <laughs> <laughs> wait too many yeah guns? Are you, what language are you i know speaking, right i know those words just not in that not not in it. Yeah. just yeah. not in it i know I'm, I'm bad about like i i shoot my guns if i don't like they're usually on gun broker and then i buy something else that's cool too you know so <laughs> i have a can't ever keep the same one too long but yeah but you do raise a good point that we are a, a completely disposable culture anymore mm-hmm. i mean things that we used to have fixed like refrigerators or tvs nah, I just buy a new one yep. right. but we're not that way with our firearms yep, yep. you know it's just it, like you said you expect the company to cover everything forever and sometimes that's a bit unrealistic but frankly there are certain companies that kind of go above and beyond and i think you know walter yeah. certainly meets that qualification yeah. i mean the one time you want to see empty shelves in the warehouse is when you're in the cs department yeah. and those yes. were really empty shelves they really were <laughs> yeah they really were yeah. you know like i said when you get back to like yeah the, the whole repairable and, and getting stuff fixed you know and I'm definitely like my boots resold three times and finding somebody to resole boots nowadays. It's, it's going away as a culture, but I think guns though, you see the main complaint from people when they, when they buy guns is like, you know, I don't like this one or I want to tune it up or what. There's just nothing you can do. It's just, you know, they're very manufactured goods at that (laughs) point. And and there we go. So we, we definitely understand we got, it's the right balance between the two Uh, where we can't go out there and make, you know, 10 you know forty thousand dollar guns and expect that to be our business but by no means because we want as many people carrying walters as we possibly can do you know we want as many people owning guns as we can too you know sure. so that's a that's a key point for us so we don't want to you know lack you know you look at the times of covid and stuff and we, we want to make sure when there's demand there like 
I can feel it. It's the beauty yep. of the Second Amendment, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know? So uh, we, we want to be able to help fill that as well. So Exactly. But great experience at the same time. And it's not that you guys don't do high-end stuff, yep. too, yeah. because you've got the, the Maestro Manufacturer series of stuff, and, you know, we got to, we got to lay hands on some of those guns uh, downstairs in the cage. I was so bad some of those. They're so beautiful. I didn't want to get my, my, just my fingerprints all over them. Oh, they're, man, they're I, I, I left drool DNA all over that <laughs> color case. I've seen in you know. Jurassic Park where he goes, is it heavy? Then it's expensive. Where is a heavy gun? <laughs> And those are those are cool, you know what uh, that 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 Maestro line. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys are doing some really neat things with those guns. Yeah, that was a cool concept. We we looked at we, Walter's very well known for making high end guns, and we weren't really doing much of it anymore. And we're like, man, the problem is with a lot of those high end guns when people start dressing them up and they're very ornate and stuff. It's like, well, you you hang them on a shelf. Mm-hmm. That's what you 100%. do. Hundred percent. Well, we kind of went into it with like we want to make these like really nice ornate guns, but still be able to be go and be shot. And right. Be, yeah. There's no functional the, art. The yeah. front side is a bear, and the back side is the salmon tail. That yeah. Gets, you know. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> and so even when you look at you know the the vintage line, mm-hmm. we did the you know Q5 match steel frame, so it was based on our steel frame uh, duty gun line, and uh, case color hardened and walnut grips and all that stuff. But usually a lot of those case color hardened guns, if you don't know, like they're not very great for the abuse side of things right <laughs> right you know and so we were able to kind of come up with new processes there to actually do like tenor for coatings over the top of them and, and stuff to actually keep the uh the weather resistance and mm-hmm. and performance uh standards on those and you look at the the black tie with the stenox and then the black diamond with its high polished diamond like coating yep. on that so they're all very usable finishes on that and then mm-hmm. the performance features on them they're usually you know hand on grips or they're machined grips on that side of it, it's our uh, dynamic performance triggers with hand-tuned sear engagements and, and all that bit. So they really come out of the box like, yes, they're beautiful and they're expensive, right. um, but you can actually go shoot them at the same time, you know. Sure. Well, and against the details. So like on the color case hardened we were looking at it, it's beautiful. And you realize that they've, they've done the base pad on the magazine as well. Mm-hmm. You know, something that a lot of – they just won't – because it's a magazine, it's an autoloader, it's therefore – it's a disposable part. Right. But on the, Ma- the Meister series, it's still part of the, I mean, it's part of the artwork, really. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a fun project, too, you know, and it really for creative people and especially for product development team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think we got a really great product development team that kind of stems a lot from that higher end culture and stuff. Sure. And, but they're shooters at the same time. And so it's been a cool combination to see, like, man, we want to do those, like, you know, you see the Wesley Richards and the you know, like, yeah, oh, it's so yeah. cool. But man, does anybody do they shoot though? You know? <laughs> I mean, and, and they're, I, you know, they're in demand. Just taking a look at uh, even the, the vintage, which I thought was a beautiful finish. Yeah. The the vintage on the manufacturer. You know, we've had uh, a couple of those go off. They're in the three thousand to thirty five hundred dollar range, which, if you've seen one, actually seems like a really good price mm-hmm. for for the work that's gone into them. A lot of bidding action. You know, thirty thirty plus bids from fifty plus bidders, but. Um, uh, they're out there. Uh, they're run right around that three thousand dollar mark. So yeah. we yeah. don't make a whole lot of them. So it is like kind of as as we can type sure. of basis, you so, know. You so know, they come and go. Knowing that with the limited supply and just seeing again the, the work quality. that goes into them, yeah, three thousand actually seems. 
pretty darn affordable. I, I've seen guns that cost way more that are way less in terms yeah. of the quality and manufacturing. Yeah. So, I'm yeah. betting there's not a tool mark to be found on one of those. Uh, no, uh, definitely not. And if there was, it was, it was obscured by drool from one of us, you know. So. <laughs> oh, uh, well, guys, uh, I appreciate you sitting around the table and, and talking Walther with us. Cody, thanks for being on the show. Um, thanks to all of you who have tuned in to this episode. Appreciate you watching and downloading and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite platform. We don't get to do this without you guys uh, consuming the episode, so we appreciate all of you. Um, make sure you subscribe. Leave us some likes and comments. You know, we, we love to hear from you guys. Um, appreciate you tuning in this week, and we will see you once again next week on the next episode of the No Low Ballers podcast. <laughs>